0: Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this time of worship. Thank you for what we've already experienced in message and music. And Lord, may we honor you through the reading of your word. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. We're going to be in Matthew 6 today. And I've got a question. If our church were to start a sports team and called the Worry Worry Warts, boy, that would be a mascot, a wart, a wart with legs and arms. But if we were going to start a team called the Worry Wars, I wonder how many of you would have a jersey. I wonder how many of you are worriers, because I don't know about you, but I am a worrier. I worry about things, and if I don't have anything to worry about, I'm worried that I don't have anything to worry about. So, I mean, there's always something that goes on in our lives when it comes to worry. And I know that because the Bible is filled with verses that tell us not to do that. And today is a great passage that Jesus is instructing us on why we should not Worry because you see, there is a connection this morning. I've I've preached this passage before and and uh, we'll probably preach it again at, at some point, and I always pick up new things on it from my own life, and I want to share with you what I picked up this morning. Uh, there's always a connection between our sense of worth and our worry. You'll say, What? Our sense of worth has a direct correlation to how much we worry. Because understanding our life with Christ will give us proper perspective on these things that we're worrying about. Because we battle and we fight to worry about these things, but too often it's because we're looking at it from our perspective and not Christ's perspective. Folks, remember whose you are today. If you are a believer, remember whose you are You are a child of the king. You were bought with a price and you are the highest point of creation. You are God's best creation and he loves you and your worth should be found in that. Because when we forget our worth, worry comes in. So my question would be, why do you worry? Well, I'm sure many of you would think of different circumstances. Actually, when Jesus was teaching about this, he had just taught about money and possessions. So for a lot of us, we worry about those things either we own, we don't own or hope to own. But uh, why do you worry? That's only a question that you can answer for yourself. But I want to show you five lies of worry. These are five lies that worry tries to present as fact. And the first thing is, is we worry because we fear that God will not provide just because He will not provide. We worry that God will not provide whatever we're worrying about because He's got better things to do. Or that of all these things in the world, He doesn't really care about this. The second lie is, we... Fear and worry because we feel unworthy of His provision. We feel unworthy. God would not do that for me because I did something else or because I have fell in this area, because I have sinned in my life. I don't deserve this. I am not worthy of this. Well, my friend Genesis 3-7 said that, at the talking about Adam and Eve, at the moment their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness, they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. At the lowest point of Adam and Eve, when the first sin occurred, they thought they could hide from God. And we think we can hide from God. But if you read on in that passage, you'll find out that God went looking for them. Because they are treasured. God created everything, and man was the last thing created. And he said, this is good. My friend, God has looked at you and said, you are good. You are his greatest Pinnacle of creation. Romans 8, 8 says that's why those who are still under the control of their sinful natures can never please God. We think that because of sin, we're not worth anything to God. And our self-esteem, James 4, 6 says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Folks, we are not unworthy of His provision. We are worth so much to Him. That he sent his son to die for our sins. The the third lie we see is that we should not. I mean, we should worry because we fear God will not provide what we want. Key word being want. Matthew six eight says, "Your father knows exactly what you need before you ask him." Let me ask you, what's the difference between a want and a need? When I was a kid and I saw that matchbox car on the on the the aisle. I needed that car, and I would throw a fit. I was, I was a, um, a uh, only child. Yes, I was spoiled. Okay, and so I had to have that toy. And, and it didn't matter how much fit I, I threw, I was not going to get it. But I thought I needed it. I didn't need it. I wanted it. God knew I didn't need it, so I didn't get it because my parents didn't buy it. And that's all right, but it's one thing to be a matchbox car. It's another thing to be a real car. It's another thing to be a job. It's another thing to be a vocation. It's another thing to be a relationship. It's another thing to be a bank balance. It's another thing to be a bill paid. All of these things, we we say, I want this to be done, but God knows what we need. Do not believe the lie that God will not provide what you not want. But need. The fourth thing is fear that God will not provide it within our timetable, or when we think we need it. Boy, I tell you what. There's a lot of times where I thought, God, okay, you've missed it. That was the window. Come on, you know this. It's been this this amount of time. I, I really thought you were going to act by then. What, how can I tell God when the timing is right when I can't even see things? From his perspective, it says in Ecclesiastes 3.11, it says, yet God made everything beautiful in its own time. In its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart, but even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. Some of you are artists in here. And I don't see how you can look at a blank canvas and see that that painting and be able... It's just, it blows my mind to see people that are artistic like that, visually. Just as if there is somebody that has a song in their heart and they start with a blank page and they write it out. It's just amazing to see that process. But what we understand is is that that artist, when they are drawing that painting or painting that painting or whatever it may be, They see the whole picture, and they just start putting it together piece by piece. My friend, you are God's greatest creation. You are God's artwork, and he has seen the picture, and we have to trust him as he draws it. Do not believe that lie. And number five, we fear that God will not provide for us just to be mean, I'm telling you what, after you get wave after wave of disappointment and wave after wave of just, just being knocked on your, your backside, it's easy to think, well, God, now you've just gone into doing this because you enjoy it. Folks, my friend, listen to me. That is the most dangerous place we can be in our faith. When we lose sight of the fact that God is not good, then we are not following God at all. Because, my friend, God is good. God, that goodness is his character. Fear and worry will make you think that God enjoys watching you when you struggle. And by the way, that is not supported in Scripture anywhere. Psalm 119.68 says, The psalmist proclaims, God, you are good. And do only good. Psalm 34, eight says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. No, everything's not going like you want it to. Everything, is it's hard. It's You're building endurance through this. And it's not your timing. And it's God's timing. And we're worrying about this. But I'm telling you, my friend, do not believe the lie that God is not good. Because if you believe that God is not good, you will walk away from Him. And that is a very dangerous place. To be. So my question is, what is, if these are the lies about worry, what is the truth about worry? The truth about worry is fear leads to worry. We worry because we fear. Fear leads to worry, and worry will kill your faith. Just like someone putting their arms or their hands around your neck, and choking the life out of you. Worry will choke the life out of your faith and out of my faith. But see, it says in Matthew 22, verses 37 through 40, it talks about the fact that He made us to love Him first, others second, as we love ourselves, which makes us loving ourselves the third priority. If you remember, the Pharisees said, what is the greatest commandment? He said, love the Lord your God with all your soul, mind and strength, love your neighbor as yourself. So that puts us in third place. There's God, there's others, and there's self. So I've got three types of people I want to show to you right here before we jump into the scripture. We have to have, there, there has to be a prioritizing system. Just like for many of you, you have your family, your children. And I mean, you you prioritize in the way you spend your money. You prioritize in the way you spend your time. You prioritize in the way you do everything. And so here are the priorities that that verse puts together. And so if we put them in the right position, we can have victory over worry. But if we don't, let's say you put self as the first place in your life. And then you put others And then you put God. My friend, you will become a user. say, well, that's kind of harsh. But yes, you will become a user because that type of person that puts themselves first, others second, and God third, you do not look for God's provision. Rather, you only expect it to take it for granted. If someone has put God way down on the list, it's not that you're prioritizing God. You expect Him to give something to you, like a spoiled little kid wanting a matchbox car. And when he doesn't give it to you, you're worried about it. You're the type of person that says it's my world and you're just living in it. You use God and others as a means to get what you want. You experience worry when things do not go the way you want them to. And this kind of person finds it easy to place blame on God and others when life doesn't cater to what they want. That's what happens when you put yourself first. Well, what happens when you put others first? That that sounds really good. We can do mission work and we can do all these things and then we can, we can throw God in there and we will put ourselves last. But even if you put others first, you will be the pleaser. You will be consumed with gaining the approval of people around you. You will be consumed with the opinion that others have about you. And you will do just about anything to gain that approval and keep it. You will pray that God will continue to put you in situations to earn that approval of others. And your emotional and your emotions and will will suffer burnout because you've been trying to please people. And my friend, if you are a people pleaser, take it from someone who is trying to recover from that. If you are a people pleaser, you will burn yourself out and you will not make it. This kind of person often feels unworthy of God and unworthy when conflict and uncertainty arises. Well, then there's a third one. The the God first, the other second, and self third. That's Scripture, so it's got to work, right? And that's going to be the person that has peace in their life. And by peace, it doesn't mean everything is perfect and and roses and, you know, a, a, a nice spring day. It means, yes, the waves are going to be coming, but yet in the midst of these waves... You can have peace because this type of person, you live to give glory to God. And he uses that overflow to minister to your spouse, to your children, to your parents, to your co-workers, to your church family out of the overflow. Usually a peaceful person that has God first, the provisions that you get, will you will see them as something that came Directly from God, and usually the provisions that you see from God are much bigger than anything you could have ever imagined that you could accomplish in your own strength and in your own will. Your your life will not be perfect, however, it will be balanced, and it's easy for you to be content in any situation. Because you know that everything you have comes from God and everything you endure is from him. My friends, this is a hard lesson, but it is a life lesson. I want you to understand this. You can look at Job and he sees the same thing. Nothing happens to you. Nothing happens to me that doesn't pass through the hands of God. Nothing. Either God is God or he's not. And my friend, he is God. Just as he is worried about the lilies of the field, he is more worried about you. And so, of the three things that I've just showed you up here, it's not like you're one or the other. I don't know about you, but I kind of go in between these, depending on where I am in life. But our goal, however, is to keep God first and to be that God-pleaser. And our worth, our worth is only found in Jesus Christ. Only through him can we have enough for God's glorious standard. Why is that? Why is your worth so important? Everybody knows this verse. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. You have worth because God sent his very best and sacrificed it to give you that worth. Many of you have sons, daughters, or, or close family members. Would you ever let that person die for someone else? Are they worth that to you? Most of them, well, I'm church, of course I would. I mean, there's family members that have given kidneys and other, other things like that. Because, I mean, that's noble and that's good, but my friend, let me tell you what. God sent His Son to die for you because you were worth it. Not because of what you've done but because of the value that God places on you. You did nothing to deserve it. The Bible calls that grace. Well, let's look at Matthew 6 for a second. We've got a few points. The first thing we see is we must look beyond ourselves and you must look beyond yourself to see your God-given worth. It says in verses 25 through 26, it says, that's why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food to drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food? And I'm looking at my body thinking, well, it's hard for me to preach that one, right? I mean, because I enjoy food. A lot of us enjoy food, but it's not all life is cracked up to be. Isn't life more than food or drink or enough clothes to wear? Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? And then he says, verse 26, look at the birds. Don't plant, They don't plant a harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And then here's here's the whole aha moment for me in this passage. It says, aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? My friend, when we worry, we are flushing the value that God has placed on our lives. We are his greatest creation. We are his greatest love. And he has done everything in his power to make it to where we could be with him for eternity. But Jesus tells us not to worry because he knows that we're not created to do that. Our bodies are not created to worry. Worry affects our health. Worry affects our motivation. Worry affects our attitude. Worry affects our faith. Choosing to worry, it will wreak havoc in our lives. And it is sin because when we worry, we are taking whatever that thing is that we are worrying and we are putting it in the place that is meant for God. That's called an idol. And that is a sin. But worry tempts you to distrust God. You must remember that the same God that created you and called you good is the same God that you can trust in this valley. Do you, how many of y'all remember swimming lessons? Only two of y'all in here can swim? Ah, right, you go. Y'all don't want to raise your high nose. Just, just preach, let me listen, let's go home. I got pot roast in the oven. Alright, I understand that. We'll be finishing up here in just a second. But what I want to say is this, is that I remember swimming lessons. Why in the world would a parent that loves me put me into this person that wants to torture me by throwing me in water above my head and telling me to swim? You know, they, they kind of put you in there and they say, okay, swim. And you don't know what to do. You just kind of flapping around. You know, until finally they tell you, no, kick with your legs or this, 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 and this. And then finally after you've got half of the pool, that you have swallowed uh, and you have drank half the pool. Finally, you get the hang of it and then all of a sudden, you can swim. And I thought there are times where you look up in the water and from the water and you're looking at your instructor and you're gagging on water and you can't touch the bottom you're like, they look like Satan himself. Ha, 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 kick your legs. Yeah, I know, it's random. But here's the thing. That instructor is there to protect you, but also they're not there to do it for you. Because if they do it for you, you will never learn to swim. Don't let worry tempt you into thinking that that instructor is not there in case you get into a pickle that you can't get out of. God is there, and even though in the midst of your worry, God is there, and you are barely keeping your head above water, but He is there because there is something in this trial He is trying to teach you. So keep kicking. Keep your faith and keep your eyes on Him, because He has not brought you this far to drop you. God will not let you drown. That's not His nature. The same God who created life can be trusted with every detail of your life. Verse 26, creation does not worry and neither should you. I love the fact that it says in verse 26, look up, look to the sky. My friend, the first stage in getting over your worry is quit looking around and start looking up. And get His perspective. Your worth is not found in those things around you. Your worth is not found in the approval of others. Your worth is not found in what others do for you. Your worth is found in Christ alone. Look up, not around. The second thing we see is that placing your worth in what you have is a little faith. What do we mean by a little faith? Did you know a survey revealed that we spend on the average six and a half years of our lives worrying? Six and a half years. What a waste of years. We'll never get back. Jesus continues, verse 27. Can all your worries in a single moment to your life and why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make clothing, yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? There's that term, little faith. Even the disciples at times, he would say, why do you have so little faith? Folks, verse 27, worrying does not make a situation better. It only makes it worse. Worry is a lot like a roller coaster. Any of y'all ever rode a roller coaster? Oh, man. The only reason I rode one is because the girl I was dating at the time wanted me to get on it with her. And I didn't want to look like a chicken. So I always had this kind of uncommon, I mean, this un, unfound rule that I would never go on a, a a ride that goes upside down. Any of y'all feel that? Yeah. They want to be going upside down. Well, the very first ride they take me on, this girl takes me on as a boat that goes up and hangs upside down for like 10 seconds. I'm watching change and sunglasses and wallets and everything. It must have been pretty awesome because I ended up marrying that girl. But I'm going to tell you something. I was worried, but I wasn't going to let her know it. You want to do this? Sure, I'm fine. And then we went from that one to like the loop-de-loops and all of a sudden I was hooked. But the thing is, you sit down in that, that car or whatever it is, and then that bar comes down. And you're like... And all of a sudden, it starts going, and you get up the hill. Click, 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 click. That's the worst part is the anticipation that clicking. And then all of a sudden, I've never been on a roller coaster where this doesn't happen. Click, 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 click you're going up, but then it stops. Don't stop it. I want to make sure it keeps going. So finally, you get, and you go, on, and then all of a sudden, the roller coaster goes, and you're strapped in. You're held in, and all of a sudden you go down the first hill, and then all the craziness ensues. And there are times where you're yelling from excitement, and there are other times when you're about to lose your lunch. I mean, all of that in between. And you are strapped into this, and you cannot, you don't have any chance to go anywhere else. Folks, that is what worry does to us. It straps us in and makes us think we have no choice, nowhere to go, and it takes us for a ride. Verse 28 shows us that God does not ignore those who depend on Him. Chuck Swindoll said that worry pulls tomorrow's cloud over today's sunshine. But let me ask you this. Where does our faith become a little faith? Where does our faith become little? It's very simple. Where worry begins. Where does our faith become little That's right where worry begins. The third thing that we see here is that the worth God places on you is always greater than your biggest worry. The worth that God places on you is always bigger than your greatest worry. He says in verses 31 through 34, So don't worry about these things saying what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows your needs. Then here comes a very familiar verse. It says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything you want. No, he doesn't say want. It says need. He will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today has trouble enough of his own. Live for today. Folks, God loves you this morning. And there is no amount of worrying that will ever change that. Verse 33 says, seek God above all else. Let me tell you something, my friend. We seek what we love. We seek what we love. We talk about what we love. Worry forces you to love yourself at the expense of your devotion to God. And whatever your worry is today, let me tell you this. It sounds like this would be like top ten things a preacher would say. Wherever your worry is today, just love God more. Boy, that sounds good. Let's put that on a fortune cookie. I'm not saying that's easy. It will be the hardest thing you ever do to choose to love God more than your finances. To love God more than your physical desires. To love God more than your security. To love God more than your family. To put Him at the top of the list will be the greatest battle you ever fight. But it is worth it because He has already fought it for you. Through His Son, Jesus Christ. And then I think it's important to say in verse 34, don't worry about tomorrow, but live for today. Folks, if you live for today, it takes the sting out of tomorrow. If you live for today, it takes the sting out of tomorrow. What about tomorrow? I mean, I've got this thing. I've got this test coming up. I've got this bill that's due. I've got this thing at work. I've got this place i got to be. All of these different things. And we just are consumed about that all the while missing the joys. I mean, it's something as simple as, you know, I think of sitting at home worrying about something. And that time I spent worrying, I could have gotten on the floor with the dog and petted him a little bit. Those little things that we miss because of worry. Don't worry about tomorrow because it takes a sting out of today. What is your worry this morning? Verse 32 said these things dominate the thoughts of an unbeliever, but your heavenly father already knows your needs. Folks, if you do not believe in God or have never invited Jesus Christ into your life as Savior and Lord, as your forgiver and leader, then your life, your worry will consume you. But if you are a believer who is consumed by worry today, you don't have to be. Your worth is found in Jesus Who loves you? What parent would not love a child even when they were worrying the mess out of them? God can love you and carry you if you let him. I think finally I'll just say this. What a tragedy for you and I to worry about events that will never come to pass. They say that up to 40% of the things we worry about never happen. Let's don't waste our life. Let's live for today. Let's live for God and put worry to the side. Because God is bigger than any worry that we have. And I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching to me. You just get the benefit of hearing it. I'm not perfect. Neither are you. But if you want to, if you have got worry and worry has just got you consumed and you would like to come forward and pray at these altars or talk with me. Maybe you're consider- you're not a Christian and-, and your worry has become too much. You can know the same worth that we as believers feel by accepting Him as your Savior and Lord. You can come forward at this time. We can pray together. You can pray by yourself. But this is the time for you to respond. Would you please stand?